Thank you. Okay, so we're here, learning Parsha Snayach. Good to see you. Um, and the Pasuk that we're up to, you get many of you have the sheet, the Pasuk we're up to is Pasuk Yudzayin, where it says, And behold, I'm bringing a marble of water on the earth. To destroy all flesh that has in it a ruach chayim, a spirit of life from beneath the heavens, kol Everything that's here on the earth shall perish. So, what does this mean? What is the what's going on? Kodesh Baruch Hu is telling Noach about his plans. Right, he uh, he said the end of all flesh is coming before me because the earth is filled with chamas mipneim. I'm going to destroy them along with the land. Behold, I'm going to destroy them along with the land. And then this next pasuk says, you just ask if we could mute, we could mute the phone there. Um, uh, the next pasuk says, make for you a tevasate goifer. And then, and behold, I, I'm going to bring the Mabel, Maya Malhoritz. So, so really, if you look at the Svarno over here that we quote, the Svarno says it very, very nicely. He says, You complete the Teva, the salvation. And I'm going to shortly bring the Mabel. Etc. He goes on and he brings the meaning of the term Mabel, which we're going to save for another time. But the the main point <coughs> again for us of the Svarnay is that the way the Pasik is doing is it's it's going between the two of them. Hashem says, I'm going to destroy them. I am going to destroy them. You you should make for yourself a Tevasati Gaifer. This is what you should do. This is the window you should make. This is the these are the levels that you should make. And then I, I'm going to bring a mabel. He hadn't said how he was going to destroy the world. Now he is saying for the first time how he's going to destroy the world via mabel, which of course gives logic to why the method of salvation of Neach was to make this teva, to make this boat. But there's what man will do and what God will do. And it's a fascinating thing that what we have here is that Hashem is going to bring the destruction and Noach is charged with bringing the salvation. Hashem brings the destruction, and Noach brings the salvation. And we've talked a little bit about things that perhaps could help us understand why it should be that way that Noach brings the salvation. This is going to be his world. The world, the place that he's going to have in the world is going to be built on the, pa- on the fact that he brings the salvation to the world. But I would just note it as a fascinating thing to consider. We're not going to dwell upon it, but just a fascinating thing to consider. You know, in Jewish law, we have bate din, we have courts. What's the role of the court? I'll tell you what it never is. The role of the court is never to reward. The role of the court, of the human court, is only to punish. Right? A bezdin gives malchus, gives lashes, a Bezdin gives uh, misais, you know, death penalties, a Bezdin assigns payments. A Bezdin never rewards. Okay, it's true, you know, if somebody wins a, a court case against somebody else, they get, quote-unquote, an award, right, from the court. But it's not a, it's not a reward, it's tashlumen, it's payment, right? The, 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 sometimes you might have a knas that they get beyond, but that's not even a reward for doing something good. That's a, the punishment goes to the victim, the victim, to the aggressor, excuse me, and the aggressor needs to, needs to pay and maybe needs to pay more than the core amount. So we make him pay double or triple and the victim gets rewarded. But he doesn't get rewarded for doing something good. The role of the Bezdin is to punish, never to reward. And this is a significant question, philosophical question. Rewards are left for the Rabbanish. Rabbanish may punish as well. But he has the exclusive domain of rewarding people for the things which they do. Here, in the case of the Mabul, the situation was inverted. The destruction was brought by Hashem. The punishment was brought by Hashem. The salvation was brought by Neach. The salvation was brought by man. So you have to understand that, uh, that difference. 
You have to understand that, uh, that change. Okay, that's a thought, a question to consider and to, and to pose. But that's the simple shot in the Pasuk, and behold, I, this is what I'm going to do. I said before, I'm going to destroy them. And now he adds, behold, I, this is going to be my task, that I'm going to bring the Mabul, I'm going to bring the flood, to destroy all flesh. Rashi, however, quotes something else. In the discussion of this, Rashi says, I'm ready to agree with those who encouraged me and said before me, Kvar, already, what is man that we should remember him? Rashi says that there were those in the heavenly spheres who encouraged the Rabbi Nishalala that he should not maintain man within the world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu pushed them off. And now he says, I'm finally ready to agree. I'm going to destroy the world. I'm going to agree with those who said, why should you remember man? Why should you consider man? Wow. Very, very big uh, statement. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, I'm finally going to agree to this. We have to look at this and understand what this, what this means. The quote is mamish from the Medrash in Bereshis in our parish. I'm going to agree to the words of the Malachim. That they said, They said, what is man that you should, could remember him? Okay, so the Medrash is the same, maybe a couple extra words. Uh, that they encouraged me and said before me. Right, but one way or the other, again, they, uh, uh, we, we speak about this idea that this is the one who is, uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is agreeing. In fact, I would just mention that there are those amongst the Mepharshim who suggest that when it says Hineni, the reason why they're making this drasha is because Hineni is like Hineni. Hineni is always the respond to a call of somebody else. Right? Hineni is, I'm here, I'm ready, at your service. So, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Hinini, is he responding to somebody else's call? When he brings the Mabul? Right? Simply, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu just looking down and, and trying to bring justice. That's why, that's what leads Rashi to say, Hinini, Hineni, that's what leads the Medrash to say, perhaps, that, okay, it's not Hashem's initiative, in a sense, it's Hashem's response to the call of others that this is what he should be, this is what he should be doing. So we're going to be looking at this a little bit more, at this call, and about this, this, uh, this idea as it goes back and forth right here. But let's take a look for a moment at the Ramban. Says, uh, uh, says, says Rashi, says the Ramban. Hinini maskim, behold, I agree. With those who said before me, but I'm amazed, says the Ramban. What do you mean you, I agree with them? I'm accepting their argument. Hashem's not destroying the world. He's leaving something. The, the, the claim was that everything should be destroyed. And what he's actually doing is he's saving Noach and his sons and every living thing, right, to make their seed many like the like the sand of the sea. Right, you know, where did the Ramban get this expression from? This is the exact language that we use in the Tefillah of Zichroinus on Rosh Hashanah. Right? We say, Baruch Hu, you remembered Noach at the time of the Teva to save him. And now you should remember Noach and his descendants, that their children, his descendants should be many, like the sand of the sea. So says the Ramban, 
they were saying man should be destroyed, eradicated. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't eradicate that. So why, excuse me, do we call this an agreement? Ulai hi Says the Ramban, well, it's possibly a partial agreement. Because the fact that Hashem didn't have mercy and Hashem destroyed, yes, it is true. He didn't destroy the world entirely, but he was responding to the claim of Midas Hadin, to the claim of judgment. And the fact that Hashem didn't have compassion was to some degree an acceptance, an agreement to this claim. And that's, what, that's, that's in the sense that he's listening to, uh, to the Malachim. The tolerance for human failure is limited here. Yes, on some level, there is a, uh, is, there, there is a tolerance because Nayach is made to survive. But on a significant level, Hashem is listening to the, those who would claim that there should be destruction. And, um, you know, I, I, this Ramban just sort of reminds and brings back to something we talked about a little bit. We didn't really talk about last time uh, that we learned, and I want to just make brief mention, brief mention of it. And that is the following issue. Um, you know, Nayak was saved. Nayak was saved from this destruction. Did he deserve to be saved? So Neach was a tzaddik, Tamim Hayabedorosov. But was Neach part of the world that deserved to be destroyed? And somehow, look, Hashem had no choice but to continue the world. No, I shouldn't say he had no choice. Hashem always has a choice. But Hashem wanted to continue the world, so he took Neach, the tzaddik, to save him from amongst the rest. So we can speak about the fact that everything else deserved destruction. No question, because they were destroyed. When Neach was saved, was Neach saved because Neach deserved salvation? Or was Neach saved because HaKadosh Baruch who wanted to continue with the experiment of the world, not with the experiment, but with the project of the world, and Neach was the best candidate, although everything to some degree deserved to be destroyed. In the latter formulation, perhaps what the Ramban is pointing out rings more real, meaning that I, I agree with you. You've, right, it's just been demonstrated. And my destruction of everything wholesale is because in the greatest sense, man doesn't agree, doesn't, doesn't deserve existence. And Nayach is included in that on some level. But on the other hand, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does maintain, he doesn't change his mind from before. And he says, I want the world, I want there to be a world for man. And therefore, it's going to continue. Again, I'm not saying it as sharply contingent on the Ramban. I think the Ramban could go really with either way. Whether Nayach deserved to be saved or whether Nayach didn't deserve, but HaKadosh Baruch was just maintaining his original plan. But I think it's a little bit neater according to the first. And let me just plug in something which we didn't discuss last time, but is deserving of some discussion. Last time we spoke about Tsoyar Tasa Teva. You should make a window for the Teva. And the tsayar that we spoke about, the window, quote-unquote, that we make for the teva, is there as a light provider. Clearly, everybody holds. It's not called a chalon in this context, which was used later for letting the dove out, letting the raven out. It's called a tsoar, and tsoar comes from the term tsorayim, a bright point of the day, like zohar, right? Tsoar is a term for light. It's a light source, and that's why there's a dispute. Was the light source a window? Or was the light source a chandelier, a gemstone that was hanging there within the teva? However, the, the, what would be the issue with a window? So we spoke about technical problems with a window. How does a window provide light? In the stormy darkness of the marble, how does it provide ma- ma- light? During a period of time when the, um, the mazolos, when the stars in the, so- in the sky and the sun didn't function, because that's a drusha which Chazal make later, that during the time of the marble, Everything ceased. So then where do you get light from a window? Those were issues. But there's another issue which is suggested. And that other issue is, does Neach have the right to look out the window? Why would Neach not have the right to look out the window? Same with Lord and his wife. 
exactly right, like Light and his wife. Light was pulled out from Sodom. He was the righteous person. He was pulled out from Sodom. He was pulled out because of his righteousness. But tell me something, did he not on some level deserve to be destroyed along with them? You could just make the simple argument that the world is one entity and it is judged after its majority. Avram Avinu had to pray to Hashem not to destroy Lot. It would be terrible for you to destroy Chulin. It would be profane to destroy the righteous along with the wicked. And so the Pasa goes and says there, that he saved Lot he's remembered Avram, he saved Lot from the midst of the overturning when he destroyed the cities that Lot lived in. So Lot was plucked out despite the fact that in certain ways he was a part of them and he deserved to be destroyed along with them. But he had relative righteousness, he had some meaningful righteousness and Avram Avinu pleaded that he should be plucked out, that he shouldn't be destroyed along with the rest. But it was a special allowance, and therefore, they couldn't look back at the destruction. If they looked back at the destruction, then they associated again with something which they should have been inherently really associated with, and that was with Sodom. And then they would suffer the same fate, right? Sodom's fate was Gofris Vamelach Srefa Kalarza, sulfur and salt that burned up the whole place, and and she turned into an etziv melach. She turned into a pillar of salt. Hmm, gofris, sulfur. Where do we recently talk about sulfur? So you remember that the teva was made from atzei gofer, was made from gofer wood. And Rashi says, why was it made from gofer wood? Because of the gofris, which is the term for sulfur, which the world was going to be destroyed with. The hot waters of the mabel were mineral waters, which had in them gofris, which had in them the sulfur, which means they deserved it too. The people in the Mabu, again, we talked about it. We had a nice learning session about what is the idea behind the fact that he had it. And we had a different interpretation, a positive interpretation of the gofer, that somehow Noach would be formed by the, by the survival of the difficulty. We mentioned something, in fact, from the parsha we read yesterday about the Nechash Nechoshas, which saved the people. Right? They were saved because they incorporated the lesson of what they went through. But let's not go there. Let's look at the other aspect. And the other aspect is that, Noach, to some degree, you should be part of the same gofris, of the same sulfur storm as everybody else. And just like by gofris vamelach of Sodom, by that destruction, the righteous one, who many times is compared, right? Remember the number 10 we use by Sodom, it comes from Noah. They're both destructions from which the righteous are saved. However, in both cases, in a certain sense, the righteous did deserve on some level to go along with them, to go down with them. And that's why Noah was in a teva, which was made of gopher. And that's why perhaps maybe he couldn't make a window where he would look out on them, because then, just like Noach's wife, the Gophris Vamelach, got swept up in the Melach. Noach, by the Gophris of the Mabel, he would have been swept along with them. And that tells you, in a certain sense, that HaKadosh Baruch was fundamentally looking at all humanity and saying it should be destroyed. But at the same time, he's saving the world. So we're in this difficult place. Hashem agreeing with the Malachim, but not agreeing with them entirely. And now let's go forward to look at what that means, about what that tension is, what the claim of the Malachim is, and what we can, what we can derive from it. In the Sifsei Chachamim, right, which is really a digest of different commentaries on Rashi, he notes, when it says, speaks about the Malachim, he says, im esa adam. I consulted with the Malachim, should I make man? And they said, They said, what is man? And now I agree with them. Now you and I recall very well the Rashi, back in Bereshis, Perek Aleph, the sixth day of creation, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to make man. And what does it say? And God said, Na'ase Odom. 
Let us make man. Who's us? Who joined HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this project of the making of man? So Rashi there quoted Chazal and said, Limda Torah The Torah is teaching you good manners. HaKadosh Baruch Hu did it himself. But he was nimlach. He consulted. He turned to the Malachim and he asked them. He said, let us make man. Shall we do it together? Shall we join together in the making of man? That's what Rashi says there. It's a quote from a Chazal. And let's read it to you. I want to read it to you. The humility of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is learned from here. Because man is like the angels, and they'll be jealous. Man is also a spiritual, has a spiritual component. Therefore he consulted with them. And he goes on to bring other situations where HaKadosh Baruch Hu consults, consults with the angels. Nasa Adam, and then continues Rashi, even though they didn't insist in the actual creation, and people could make a mistake, the Torah tells you, it would teach you, to teach you that the, adult, that the big one turns and asks permission from the small one. So the consultation was with the Malachim. He asked the Malachim, and as Rashi says, again, it would be a matter of jealousy. If there's something up here that is like me, then there should also be something down there like, that is also going to be like me. So explains Rashi in the name of Chazal. That means he asked the angels. Now, what did the angels respond when he asked those angels? Were the angels opposed or this was just, wow, it's so nice, HaKadosh Baruch Hu asked us permission. Of course, we say yes. So the extent that Rashi quotes over there is that he just consulted, and it didn't matter what they said. There was no note, I shouldn't say that it didn't matter, there was no note made at all of what it was that they said in response to this, in response to this question. However, there's a Gemara in Masechah Sanhedrin. And the Gemara says the following, again, those of you who have the source sheet, otherwise you can ask Stanley, send Stanley your email address on the chat and he'll send you the source sheet. When Hashem wanted to create man, He created a group of angels. Omar Lehmi said to them, Tell me, should we make man in our image? Okay, the, 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 the Gemara here, which is also found in the Medrash Beishis Rabbah, says, interestingly, that it wasn't just he consulted with the existing angels, right? The Medrash and Rashi brings it, says that the angels were created already on the second day of creation. But he created a group of angels to whom he asked the question, should we make a man? Tell me about this man. These are the kinds of things that man is going to do. What is man that you should think of him and you should recall him? They were negative about the idea of creating man. Hashem stuck his little pinky in their midst and burnt them up. Right? Star Trek. Okay, whatever it was. Right, he went and he, and he, and he, went and he burnt them up. Next. And the same with the second group. The third group said, The third one said, the first groups that spoke to you, what did it help? Now, by the way, this implies that the third group was around when they heard the first one and the second one expressed their objection and get nuked. 
right? And that's why they know, hey, do we want to make the same mistake? Do we also want to express opposition? We're just going to end up in the same place. So the third one said, Rabbi Nishalaylam, it's your world. Do what you want, Rabbi Nishalaylam. Isn't that interesting? Is that like a shrug of resignation? Rabbi Nishalaylam, you're asking us, but in the end, you're, if we say no, you kill us. So like, what's, what difference does it make? Just, just do what you want. That's the way the Gemara presents when they got up to the time of the generation of the Mabel and the generation of the Tower of Bavel, that their actions were so mekulkalin, were so corrupt, those Malachim came back, the third group, and they said, you know, those first ones, they were right. Omar lahen, until Zikna, until old age, I am he. And until Seva, I will be tolerant. Does the Rabbanishlam seem to regret that he created man here? No. He says, I tolerate them. I understand. Look what happened. And I ended up having to destroy. But I was patient until the point that I had to destroy. Now notice, it's pretty interesting. Anihu. Ani espoil. And it's here, it's ani hinini mevima ishamabu mayamal horetz. The Ramban, in fact, didn't quote this piece of the Ramban. But after that initial quote from the Ramban that I brought to you before, Ramban goes on in a mystical fashion to just go off on the word ani. Right? The Ramban writes, "Kimavi eschem afani v'chein ani hine brisi itach v'ani zeis brisi afani ti yadi bemal shishis with oretz." So I say, "Sabis Hashem ani saying." Brahman says it in a mystical fashion with a mystical postscript. But it's so interesting that this Gemara in Sanhedrin also uh, also uh, brings this idea of this postscript. Hashem says, I'm tolerant, I wait. So the, the Malachim, it seems, when they were informed about what man would be <coughs> When they were, were informed about what man would be, the Malachim objected to his creation. And the ones who ultimately agreed and went along with the Nasa, they said, hey, because Rabbi Hashem, you're the boss anyways. So, like, what are we going to do? Correct. There was only some kind of resignation that they had. For example, if you look back in the Medrash, in the Medrash Rabbi Ches, hey, when Hashem wanted to create Adam Arisha, and the angels became like groups. There were those who said, don't create him. And some say he should be created. Chesed said, let him be created because he does Chesed. Truth said, don't create him because he's filled with lies. Tzedek said, let him be created because he does charitable things. Sholem said, don't create him because he's filled with argument. So the, 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 uh, the, the, the Medrash goes on in its own way. And it's not 
for us at this moment to, uh, to explore. It's a fascinating medrash about casting the truth down to the earth. But you see that the Malachim had some objection to man's creation way back in the beginning. And here, at the time of the Mabul, there would seem to be confirmation of that. Look, you see, it didn't make sense to create man. Look how much of mankind you are destroying because of what you found. I guess we were right. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in a certain sense, is consenting. I agree, I agree. That's the way our Medrash has it. That's the way our Rashi has it. In the Gemara and Sanhedrin, Hashem remains a little bit resistant. Okay, look, in the end they had to be destroyed. But I'm happy that I gave them a chance. I'm happy that I tolerated. And there was gonna, there's going to be a lot of tolerance further until man will justify his existence. Look at the Marsha on this Gemara. Masha ata reitza lasais. The Marsha writes on that Gemara. Masha ata reitza lasais. Kimit shigil anshe dar amabul. Shohayu kulay ketata. V'dar aflogo shayu kulay sheker. So what the Marsha is doing is, and I'm sorry I didn't plug in the words of the Medrash into your sheet. We'll have to do that afterwards. But he's, he's saying, look, you have that Medrash, which says that their objection was because man is argumentative, a failure of shalom, and man is falsehood, a failure of truth. So he says, look, there is a failure of peace, and that's on display in the Darha Mabul. Remember, the Mabul brought the destruction of the world because it was Hamas, they didn't get along, right? That's the difference that we had, and we've discussed many times, why in the time of the Darha Mabul, even though it was a greater heresy, an argument against Hashem, but Hashem didn't feel a need to destroy the world because God al because peace is great. They were getting along. On the other hand, what was their failure? Their failure was emes, was truth. Right? So that's the way the Marsha beautifully says, puts together the Gemara with the Medrash. The Medrash says that the objection of the Malachim was because of the lack of peace and the lack of truth. The lack of peace was on display in the Dora Mabel, which ended up being destroyed, and the lack of truth was on display in the Dora Flogo, which ended up being disrupted. Continues the Marsha. What does that mean? Until my old age, I will be tolerant. Till the day of the Tyra being given. Notes the the, uh, the 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 Marsha. Hashem appeared at Har Sinai as a zokain, as an old person filled with compassion, as a seva, as a wise person who sat Yeshiva, sat in discussion throughout the generations. The zokain Mole rachmim is by the sea. The 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 the, the, the seva yeshev yeshiva is by the giving of the Torah. Adzmana hu espol tarum aschem abriyasodam. Until I will appear, I will I will accept your claims against the person. V'sham timtsu tshuva, and there you will get your response. You had a question. Why am I creating them? So is it just? Says the marsha, simple compassion. I'm I'm patient. I wait till my old age. Don't worry, I can watch them do terrible things and I'll be patient and compassionate. No. Wait till Har Sinai. At Har Sinai, you're going to get the answer. What's the answer? Like we learn in the Gemara and Shabbos. The Malochim claimed again. They argued again. They took issue with this again. At the time of the giving of the Torah. They also complained, right? And what happened there? They said, What is man that you should remember? The exact same Pasuk. Grab onto my throne of glory and give them a response. And he said, the Torah that you're giving to the people, what does it say? The Torah has to be fulfilled by man on this earth. You remember that Gemara. 
If you don't remember it, we're going to go over it shortly. But says the Marsha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to them, wait till Matan Torah, and then you'll understand why I created the world. I'm agreeing with you, but wait till Matan Torah. I'm, not, I'm agreeing with you that there's a problem here, but at Matan Torah you'll see why I can't give up on this project. And that is that man has a very specific role to play. Now, what's so fascinating about this? This is the same Pasuk. Is invoked at the time of creation. It's invoked at the time of the Mabel. And it's invoked at the time of the giving of the Torah. And as many of you who have been with us as we've been learning the story of the Mabel know, one of the very critical comparisons which we've made numerous times is, and Chazal make, is between Noach at his time and Moshe Rabbeinu at his time. The giving of the Torah, the Mayim, which is Torah, the water, which is Torah, the life force, which is Torah, and the giving of the waters of destruction that came at the times of Noach. From the very beginning, when Noach was born, they knew something was special about him. That's why he was given this name, Zeyin This one is going to bring us comfort from all of the torment, from all of the t- cursed work of our hands. They knew Noach was special. Chazal say he was born mohul, he was born circumcised. Like when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, in the middle of difficulty, and they saw that he was good, and they knew, ah, there's something special about him. Noach was saved in a water vessel, and Moshe Rabbeinu was put as well into a basket, a water vessel. He was saved alone. We've discussed over and over again the idea of this being a juncture. Kate's kolbosar bolafani, the end of all flesh. Is it really the end? In a destructive sense? Remember that when we speak about the Kates, what do we say? Yishlach lekates hayom in Meshichenu. Hashem will stand at the Kates, our Mashiach. Yaakov wanted to reveal the Kates to his children. There's a possibility of greatness here. That's what we saw over and over again. But instead what was manifest was destruction. When Hashem gave the Torah to the Jewish people, let's just do one more before we go look at these sources a little bit more. When Hashem wanted to give to the Torah to the Jewish people, what does it say? The world shook. Eretz Yara Vishakata. So the Gemara says in Masech Shabbos, really right there in that same area where the passage we're going to learn today, the earth trembled and then it was quiet. Why did it tremble? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, if the Torah isn't accepted, I'm going to send back the world to Tayu Vavayu, to nothingness and emptiness. When did we see that? We saw that at the Mabul, where the world didn't accept the Torah. Where Noyach tried to deliver, perhaps not effectively, but he tried to deliver a message to humanity about what they should be doing, and humanity didn't accept it. And what happened? The world was put back to its starting point, to emptiness and nothingness, to a world completely covered with water, flooded, back to the origins of creation. You understand that the tenuousness of man, is completely on display here. What is man? Right? This is constantly on display here in this story. And it's here at the Mabul, and it's here at Matan Torah. But at Matan Torah, the response is different. Right? At Matan Torah, in the end, it's justified. Hashem doesn't destroy the world. And Hashem brings the Torah down to the world through Maishu Rabbeinu. And it's the same issue that is as... Uh, at play. It's the same issue which is at play here as was at play there. Let's look. I'm sorry? At Montora, Moshe had to be, had to prove it himself. Right. Moshe Rabbeinu had to give the answer. It wasn't enough that this was a truth that was there. Moshe Rabbeinu had an obligation to give an answer. He had to respond to the claims against him. So let's take a look just quickly here at Tehillim Perekhes, which is what's being constantly quoted here. 
Hashem Adineinu Ma'adir Shimcha B'chol Oretz. Hashem, our Master, how mighty is your name over the earth. Asher, Tzunahoytcha, Ala Shamayim. But you should place your glory over the heavens. Mipi'aylim v'yoyinkim yisaratois, l'man sayurecha, l'ashbisa yevu misnakeim. From the mouths of infants, babes, right? You have founded eyes, you have founded strength because of your enemies to cause the oyev, umisnakim, the enemy and the vengeful to be silenced. When I see your heavens, the handiwork of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you created, what's man that you should recall him? But you made him slightly less than God. You crowned him with honor and glory. You gave him control over all of your creation. Everything you placed beneath his feet. All of the different kinds of sheep and cattle, sheep and cattle and animals. The fur birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that travel the ways of the seas. Hashem Hashem our master, how mighty is your name over all of the earth. Now, Rashi notes a little bit here, if we look at Rashi in in the in Tehillim. It says, Look, Hashem. Do people really deserve having you on them? You should put your your hide, you should put your glory Allah Shamayim. Right? Look, you know, the 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 Yainkim, even the Kaihanim and the Leviim, right? What are they? They're in Lichluch, they're in dirt, they're they're so simple, people are so simple. But nevertheless, you tell those who would would claim that we are not as worthy as we are, and say, what's man? But nevertheless, you gave human beings the chance, the opportunity to demonstrate their worthiness. That's what Rashi says over there. It's really to some degree, Rashi says it differently than the Gemara and Shabbos, but this is the story in the Gemara and Shabbos, where the Gemara says, they said, what is your glory going to be found on the earth? When, Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to the heavens to go and to get the Torah, the Malachi Ashura said before HaKadosh Baruch Hu, What's a human being doing here? And he said, He came to receive the Torah. And the Malachim said, What? You're going to take the Torah and you're going to bring it down to the earth? This precious treasure that preceded creation by 974 generations? You're going to give it to a human being of bone, of flesh and, 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 and blood? What is man that you should recall him? What is the child of man that you should do it? Right? Hashem our master, how mighty is your name over the earth that you're going to place your glory on the heavens. You should place your glory on the heavens. And you all know this story. You all know this Gemara. How Moshe Rabbeinu responded and he said, you know, you, uh, you, you gave all these mitzvahs. These mitzvahs need to be accomplished by a man right here on this earth. And this is a familiar to Gomorrah to you. And it is one which we've discussed before. It's given to us because Yetzer hara yesh beinenu. HaKadosh Baruch who gave the Torah for human beings in order to be able to bring something down to this earth. We have to bring the Torah down to this earth. The Malochim, the Malochim objected to it. They knew the challenge of bringing Tyra down to the earth because human beings are earthy. And what are we going to do with it? Are we going to fulfill it? Are we going to keep it? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, before bringing the Tyra down to the earth, what did he do first? He gave a divine spirit into a human being. That's also something holy. That's also something lofty. Why did he put a divine spirit into a human being? So that there should be a presence of Hashem on the earth. The same way he gave the Torah, so that the Torah, which is the word of Hashem, should be actualized on the earth. But what happens sometimes? 
We don't live up to it. What happens sometimes is that the earth wins over the spirit. And instead of having the imprint of the divine spirit on the flesh, instead the divine spirit gets swallowed up within the flesh. Instead of Hashem's word forming the way people behave, instead we can sometimes behave and ignore the word. That's the issue. That's the struggle. What's man to be recalled? What's man to be deserving? The ultimate answer comes at Matan Torah. Now, I want to think with you together about this a little bit. So first, let's just remind ourselves, the last source you have on the sheet is Bereshis, the end of Parshas Bereshis, where it describes the Chet, and you remember this very well because we discussed it a lot, how when it describes the failure of man, it was when Adam began to grow up, right? The Bnei Elohim saw the Bnei Adam. The children of God saw the daughters of man. Right? What's that mean? You can say it's the Malachim, which would be complicating our discussion today further. We discussed that back then, what that could mean. But on the most basic level, what it means is the human beings who are children of God. We're children of God because we're created in the image of God. And we have a piece of God within us. God is part of our DNA. We have an Ashama, we have a soul. But that part of us went after the daughters of man, of the earthy. And we pursued physicality instead of the spirituality, which is part of us. We instead allowed the physicality, which is part of us, to triumph. And that's what it says there in Pasu Gimel in Perakwa. My spirit will not struggle within man forever, for he is also flesh. And his days will be 120 years. Who's 120 years? Moshe. Right, Bishagam Ubasar, the Gemara says, they said, where's Moshe Rabbeinu found in the Torah? What do you mean where he's found in the Torah? The whole Torah is the Torah of Moshe. Where's he found in Bereshis? Bishagam, the numerical value of Bishagam is Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be the one who's going to make it. He's Basar. He's mortal, but he's going to bring the Torah. He's going to be. What was Moshe Rabbeinu described as? Israel Kim. He himself was like a Malach. Moshe Rabbeinu himself was like a Malach. Moshe Rabbeinu allowed the spirit to come and to exist within the physical world. What Hashem was struggling with at the time of the Mabul was man on the earth, look, he's so earthy. How's it going to work? How's he going to be able to claim? How's he going to be able to accomplish? Now, this is an eternal dilemma, you could say. It's been a dilemma from the beginning, and it's going to remain a dilemma. The, fa- the struggle between the physical and the spiritual. But you see, this is a juncture. Nayach is a juncture. Matan Torah is a juncture. And Nayach doesn't, the story of Nayach, mankind is saved, but... In a certain sense, it's dangling and waiting for the giving of the Torah. Why is it dangling and waiting for the giving of the Torah? Why isn't it there immediately? It could be that, that those are the words that should be said, but I want to try to explain it to you with maybe a different meaning of the world of, der- of the word derech eretz. Derech eretz means the ways of the earth. The ways of the earth precede the Torah. The Torah has to find its way into the earth. Okay, and what I'm going to share it with you here is, a, is an important idea. It's a bit of a chidush, but it's an important idea. You see... Noach was given instructions. Adam was given instructions. Where were those instructions? In the 
Nevoah, Adam Rishon was told, was there a Torah? A book of the Torah? We have no record of such a thing. When was there ever a book of the Torah? Well, Moshe Rabbeinu, at the end of his life, wrote down the Torah. Maybe at Matan Torah, he wrote Sefer Habris, the Book of the Covenant, from Bereshis until Matan Torah. That was the first time that on some level it was written down. The Torah was inscribed, Sefer Habris, the Book of the Covenant. There's a great emphasis on it being the Book of the Covenant. But there's something else which is written down. A huge thing. You know what that is? The Luchais. The Luchais. Maseh Eloikim and Michtav Eloikim. Hashem wrote them down. Wrote down the, the Torah and the Luchais. Hashem took stone. Stone which can be seen as the ultimate physical being. Inanimate. Completely. Dead. And he inscribed upon it the words of the Torah. And he was going to give that to Moshe Rabbeinu. Carved in stone. What's the significance of carved in stone? Is that the Torah can make its imprint on the physical world. What happened to those luchos? Well, this week we celebrate a very sad anniversary. The 17th of Tammuz, on Thursday, is the anniversary of when Hashem, when, excuse me, when Hashem, when Moshe broke the luchos. Those original luchos were smashed to smithereens. Why were they smashed to smithereens? Because the Jewish people created an egel. We created a golden calf of our own handiwork. Why? We were make, waiting for Moshe Rabbeinu to come and bring the Torah down to the earth, to bring down the Luchas. Moshe Rabbeinu was given the Luchas, but the Jewish people didn't have it yet. And during the time that we didn't have it, we worried. We said, how's Torah going to be on this earth? We know Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who was going to be able to be a human being that would accept the imprint of the divine. But we said, only him, not us. And Moshe Rabbeinu went up there to try to bring down the Torah to the rest of us. And he would bring it down in the form of the luchais carved in stone. But until Moshe Rabbeinu did it, until Moshe Rabbeinu brought it down, we didn't have it. And because we didn't have it, we went looking around on our own to try to create our own version. And that's what we did. The Jewish people we made of our own handiwork in Egel. And when we did that, it didn't work. It has to be the word of Hashem imprinted upon the physical. Not us physical beings trying to bring in the word of Hashem by itself. Not trying to bring in the presence of Hashem by our own concept, but by, we, what, but by what we try to do. We just talked about this ourselves as a, as a chevra in this year, a, little while ago when we spoke about the very specific instructions that had to be given for the building of the Teva, just like the very specific instructions that had to be given for the building of the Mishkan. Hashem had to tell them how to inscribe, how to make His physical presence there within the world. If you want, this is the instruction, this is what has to be done. The ultimate expression of it was Hashem carving His word on the luchas. That was the ultimate expression of it. And that's why to some degree perhaps the symbolism of the breaking of the luchas is because you have the choice between people creating and men and God creating. God putting the physical presence on us. That's... Mo'adir, Shimcha, B'chalar, it's how mighty is your name throughout the earth. The Torah, you know, Kishem Hashem Ekra, the Torah is the name of Hashem. Chazal tell us that the Torah is just one big stream. It's the name of Hashem, the name of Hashem Ekra. The name of Hashem brought upon the earth. What you have here, yes, is the constant debate of the Malachim. What's a Malach? A Malach is purely spiritual. There's no wedding of the spiritual to the material. 
human being is a human being who has within him an element of spirituality like the Malachim. So maybe the Malachim are jealous of the human beings or maybe the Malachim say, why do that? Why lower the spirit into the flesh? Look what they are. Look how simple they are. Look at what they're going to do. Look at all the mistakes that they make when the physical triumphs over the spiritual. And the Malachim are right about that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you're right. That's true. That's a mistake that man makes. It's a mistake which people make chronically. And there'll come a point in time when, in fact, the world will nearly need to be destroyed because of that mistake. And that's the Mabul. Right? But there's going to be a little bit of salvation because one day there's going to be a Torah. And when the Torah is given, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to go up there and he will triumph by saying that only a human being with the Yetzirah, with these struggles, is able to bring Hashem's word into the physical place, into the physical space, to fill the physical world with the presence of Hashem, to imprint the presence of Hashem on a place where it is foreign. But you know, that's going to be a struggle. And sometimes it will go well, and sometimes evidently it will go poorly. It doesn't always go great. Ad zikna, ad seva. Till the Torah is given, on some level we have to wait. But this idea here, connected as to our discussions of what led to the Mabel being the struggle of the physical with the spiritual, and brought out here by saying, okay, so here the Malachim are making their claim. A malachim, they made the claim they made from the beginning of time, here again at the Mabul, but then only responded to at the time of the giving of the Torah. If I can, I would point out to you another thing, which is fascinating. When Moshe went up to heaven and he was about to take the Torah, right, the Malachim wanted to stop him. So what did Hashem, what did, what did, what did Hashem say? Moshe explained to them why. And Moshe Rabbein was afraid. I'm concerned that they might burn me up by the fire that's in their breath. They'll burn me up. Kodesh Baruch says, grab onto my holy throne and you'll be okay. Moshe Rabbeinu was worried about destruction by the Malachim by fire. We're learning about the Mabel. What was the Mabel? Destruction of the world by, by water. Hmm. Destruction of the world by water instead of destruction of the world by fire. Right? Water many times, and this is one of the great ironies, is that water can represent the Tyra to sustain the world. But water sometimes is also the physical world. Water is always in the plural. There's, not, there's never a singular for water. Water is in the plural. And perhaps in a certain sense, that's why the Torah that's compared to water is the Torah that's brought down to this world. We speak about the Torah before creation as it was fire, black fire on white fire. In the pure spiritual context, the Torah is fire. In the pure physical, con- in the physical context, brought to the physical context, the Torah is water. Pure physicality, the emptiness and nothingness of the world is a world described as covered with water. The Torah has to enter that space. When the world was destroyed down here, it was destroyed by water. Even the physicality collapsed under its own weight. When Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemayim, he was worried, hey, but one second, there's something which is so much more sublime, the fire. Moshe Rabbeinu has to bring the fire down to the world and make it into make it into water, a water that will sustain. And how this relates to the idea that we speak about that the Shamayim is in itself the resolution of the conflict between Eshumayim, between fire and water, the Sholayim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates in his world, right? That's something to think about, something to discuss. But I just point this out as part of the tension here. Destruction by water, destruction by fire. 
The Mabel was the destruction by water. The angels want to destroy by fire. It's where the material and the spiritual, where they have this tension, where they have this conflict. And you said before, Derech Eretz Kodmo Lataira. There was a man named Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi. He said a person should just study Taira. Their whole world should be just the studying of Taira. He went into a cave. Long story, he negated all the material efforts, the material things were provided in the world by the Romans. He had to run into a cave to escape, and he studied there the depths of Taira, the Zayar, whatever. For 13, 12 years he comes out, and he sees people doing regular things, applying Torah to regular life. And wherever he looked, he burned them up, like the Malachim, like the angels. Until he went back into the cave and he came out and was able to appreciate the regular people bringing, running with flowers, Lakovit Shabbos. The Gemara says that the, the triumph ultimately over Rav Shem Bar Yochoi, Har Be'asu, Rav Shem Bar Yochoi, was the, the Rabbi Shmuel's of the world, who said, Haneg Bo'en Minag Derech Eretz. You have to apply to Torah the way of the world. Derech Eretz, the way of the world. People have to work, produce grain, eat it, and study Torah, and be able to do it together. You have to apply Torah to the world. You have to carve the luchos onto the stones. It doesn't remain fire, black fire on white fire. It has to be turned into something that's translatable into the material world. So the debate with the malachim persists in a certain sense whenever they see the failure of the human being. And the only response to them is the acceptance of the Torah, bringing the Torah down into material world. And we say, see, that's not something that you can do. It's something that only we can do. And Hashem humbles himself to have all of the possible failings which come as a result. To even want to be down here, to fill the world down here. Kodesh Baruch Hu's humbling himself. And this is, however, the result that has to be ultimately, that has to be ultimately accomplished. It was more by fire. Um, I don't think that the Dead Sea is a is a indication that it was of water. Um, but it's Gofris Vamelach Sreifa Kolarza. Right? What's that? Destroyed by fire and built by fire. As we will say as we usually say, hopefully we can still pray that we won't say, but um, you, you lit it with fire, you burnt it with fire, and with fire you will, you will, uh, you will build it again. Right? The Pesach describes sulfur and fire from Hashem from the heavens was the destruction of Sodom came up like the like the curling smoke of a kivshon of a furnace. It's a good, 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 good point, and something which we have to think about some more, as to why over there it would be with fire, similar to this. I'm going I'm, I'm to accept that. I don't know if it was formulated as a question, but I'm going to accept it as a question. Okay. Good to see everyone. Excuse me for the seriousness of my presentation today. I made very, very few jokes. Please forgive me. Um, <laughs> but obviously this is a rather serious, uh, ser- serious topic. And Bez um, Hashem, we should all see, uh, should see good things. And it's Shivasar Batamas is Thursday. And we have to understand, indeed, the, the value of bringing Masel Oikim, the, the word of Hashem and the action of Hashem to bear, so that 
The world has that imprint. That's what it's about. Okay. Have a good day, everybody. Good day. You're welcome. Have a good day. Good week. Bye-bye.